interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. Dave, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for coming here. And I'm excited for our conversation today. Yeah, thanks for, thank you for having me. I appreciate any opportunity to hang out and chat. So thank you. Yeah. So let's start with marketing and journalism at Wagner College, because if I had those options, those probably would have been my majors as well. So talk to me about that. (laughs) Oh, man. I thought we were just going to talk about marketing. Uh, um, so, I mean, I, I I never really, I went to college, but I never really was too interested in school stuff, I guess. Uh, and I had, I had played sports my whole life and just kind of, I don't know, I didn't, didn't really, I, I was not the kid who was like, you know, I, I knew in eighth grade that I was going to be a, a, a accountant or I was going to be in finance or I was going to be in a math teacher. I just never occurred to me. And, uh, the one thing that I kind of have been good at or has come natural to me, my, most of my life is like communication either through writing or, or speaking. And I didn't know that at the time. Now this has become like a nice talk track. Like, you know, I, the, the thread between my life is just like, I've always been a, you know, I, I've, I've always been the person that like, whether it was like, you know, in college, people on my team being like, can you help me write this email to my professor? I don't know what to say to like, you know, oh my gosh, we got to write this weird email to our kids daycare to, to life. And so I've, I've kind of realized now that was a, that was the thread. And so I, uh, I, I majored in marketing and journalism because you couldn't, you couldn't major in journalism. I wanted to be a sports writer. Um, but it was at a time where it was like 2008, 2009. And so, it wasn't a great time financially to become a sports writer that, you know, the markets are crashing. And so I, you know, there was no real jobs and I, I, I didn't have any money. Uh, obviously like I, I, my back, I come from a middle-class, you know, white family. Like I have, I have not struggled, but like I was a broke, I was a broke college kid. And so like me taking an unpaid job was just like never in the equation. It was like, no, you, you can be a sports journalist, but like, how are you going to pay for your car or pay for your apartment. You know, I didn't have my things paid for. And so I had to major in marketing and I was like, okay, maybe I'll find some degree that I can use my, you know, communication skills and writing skills and, and turn it into business. And so when I graduated college, uh, I couldn't find a job for like six months and I got a paid internship um, at a PR agency and I kind of just applied to everything. I applied to sales jobs, to marketing jobs. I applied, I had some like awful like door to door, like Verizon sale, like cold Verizon door to door sales interview. And it was awful. Um, and that was the only company that was like kind of in, in a wheelhouse of something that I could actually do. And they paid and it was, they paid me 10 bucks an hour. And so that covered the gas from like where I was living to get there. And so I used like that that degree, I guess, to get into PR and communications, and that was ended up being the thing that like was my wedge into into figuring out marketing and tech companies and all that stuff down the road. Yeah, did you also play baseball at Wagner as well? I saw a Dave Gerhardt. I, I didn't really play. <laughs> I I was on the team. <laughs> I saw Dave Gerhardt yeah, in the I, box score of one of the. Uh, oh my god my era was like a hundred <laughs> literally like i i i didn't throw i didn't i was like a righty and i didn't throw very hard and like sometimes i had a good slider but most of the time i didn't i'd either hit somebody or they would hit a home run off me and so um my friends were on the team and they did they did a great job and i was i was i was very good at um cheering and moral support <laughs> yeah it, i s- it's funny. I see uh, a lot of similarities uh, between our stories. I did not play college baseball nor high school baseball, but I always identified as an athlete and always wanted to be a sports journalist or in that realm. But I told my grandma at a young age, listen, I, I don't want to do a career that doesn't make any money. And so it, it's funny how that, that works out like that. Um, so so talk. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to live, I wanted to live in, in, 
I, I, I lived like outside of Boston and I wanted to, all my friends were living after they, they graduated college or did whatever they were living in Boston and the city and doing cool stuff. And I wanted to be there with them and, you know, meet people. And I, I, I couldn't do that because my parents were like, well, we're not paying yeah. for you. You know, we don't, we don't have money to pay for your apartment. So like, if you want to go live down there, you got to go, <laughs> you got to go make, make the money, my friend. Uh, and so I lived, yeah, I lived at home for a little bit and then, and then went there. One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot recently is that there are signs in your youth of where you're going to be in the future. And you mentioned it briefly where, you know, people were telling you to write emails to the teacher and, and you were always good at communication. Were there any other signs in the first 10 or 15 years of your life that you can connect looking backwards of, wow, like I was really meant to be doing what I'm doing now? Oh, I don't know. I really, I don't, I don't know because like, I don't have like some people that are in marketing, they have this like, you know, my, my, my mom was an entrepreneur and like I was selling, you know, and I I don't have any of that. I think I have used like, I used to, I used to kind of like dumb down writing and communication as not an important skill. And so like, I always thought like, I'm not good at math. I need to know math. Like, oh, important people work in finance and banking. And, you know, first of all, those jobs sound miserable, not for me. And so now it's funny that, like, I used to, like, lust after that, which is, like, the exact opposite of what I want. I don't want any meetings. I don't want, you know, I don't want, I want to be home and see my kids both ends of the, anyway. Uh, and so, like, I, I, I think it's more just, like, about um, seeing how you can use, like, writing and communication and storytelling, uh, to help a business. And like, for me, it was very personal and it's like, Oh wow. If I help, I'm helping this company tell their story. And I made a little bit more money. I got, I got promoted. Like I, I st- it was the first thing that gave me a sense of like, Oh cool. Like I'm actually good at this. I'm actually good at this thing. And like, it's cool. Like the, the, the cl- these clients that hired my company to do PR, they're like, wow, Dave is really helpful. And then like that, that felt really good. And like, and it was kind of that feedback loop piece that like got me to want to do more i would say the only other thread that i that i can really see is um public speaking like i i think i gave this i gave a speech at like my eighth grade eighth grade graduation and and at my high school graduation as like the the speaker which it wasn't based on grade <laughs> it was not based on grade point average that's not why i was up there uh, and and i really liked that and i always liked giving presentations like in, in class and in school. And so I think that was another thread, but I didn't really know what, you know, how I didn't know that that was a skill. And it was, it wasn't really even until, even though I had kind of progressed in my career, but it wasn't even until like I was at drift where I I was still like, okay, I had gotten into marketing, but then I'm at drift and I was like, okay, I'm trying to be like this well-rounded marketer in SaaS. And it was like David Cancel, who's the CEO there. That was like, no, you're really good at copywriting and storytelling your life and your career, and by the way, drift will—it'll help us. Will be much better if you just double down on those things. Like I can tell, this is your kind of natural thing. Go double down on that. And I was like, that—that's as simple as that might sound. That like blew my mind because the typical advice is like, you got to be a T-shaped marketer, or be this person. He was like, you can go learn all the other things, or like if you really progress, you can go and hire other people who can do the other things. Like you have this talent and skill around copywriting, storytelling, product marketing, you know, brand development, whatever. Go, go, go focus on being great at that. And that was like super liberating to not have to be like, okay, wow, what, what am I trying to learn all these freaking like, you know, how to code books or like, or, or like, you know, why am I caring so much about like financial models? And like somebody else can do that. That's, I, I am a natural like writer. And so, so he really like empowered me to just focus on that stuff. And that was, that was a huge point in my career. Why do you think we are sometimes trying to make our weaknesses so much better? Like, where do you think that comes from? I don't know. It's probably some like, you know, like the weakness is uncomfortable. Like you don't like to be like, Hey Dave, what's, what's 10 minus eight. And you're like, uh, <laughs> that's obviously a terrible example, but like you, I don't know. It's probably just some, like something that we're, we're, it's not comfortable to be, you know, not feel good or smart or confident about, or about something. Uh, and so we want to like, you know, we want to go build up all of those things versus, and he actually gave me a great book, which is called Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker. And Peter Drucker talks about this extensively. Um, he's like, he, the way he frames it is like, 
it's way if you want to become like an a an a player in something or an a student in something it's much easier to take someone who's already a b student and get them to an a student in that subject than it is to get someone who's a, an f or d student to to a c and so you got to do all this work just to get to like below average and so like yeah, I could go and study all those things as I want, but like, I'm, it's not natural to me. I'm not, I would be the worst, like, you know, web developer in the world. And so I might learn about it, but I'd be the worst at it. Versus like, wow, I'm already a B at this. And so like, let's go invest there. And like, oh, now I can see the, 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 how the benefits compound of being, being an A, A minus or A at this. Yeah. Do you ever wonder about the advice you give people <laughs> about, you know, the importance of a personal brand and maybe, they're an F player in a personal brand in communicating about themselves. And, and, and is it maybe... I don't worry about it. It's not my problem. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, how, do you, how do you figure out if, you're, uh, if you should actually take some of the advice you see? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that being amazingly clear communicator, though, is... is I don't think it's, I don't think, I think you can build a brand, a brand for yourself or whoever, even if you're, even if you're not that, you might be the most introverted person in the world, but you're amazingly witty and can distill ideas down into simple concepts like via typing, (laughs) you know, it's a, it, it doesn't, those two things don't have to be related. I think you don't have to like, you know, building a personal brand today doesn't have to mean that you're making youtube or tiktok videos about about yourself you can do it through a blog you can do it through a newsletter you can do it through um podcast and a million different channels so yeah yeah no that makes sense um you've been doing it for a while and i was surprised when doing research that you started a podcast in 2014 which you know seems like it, it seems like forever ago it seems like the stone ages of podcasts um well i think like i i I never, I never like, I was not that person who like woke up and like loved marketing and entrepreneurship so much that I was like, I'm going to build a personal brand for myself. It was, I was really interested in marketing and I was working in, in tech for a bunch of, for like a bunch of kind of startup type companies. And I had an outlet to basically on those channels, like Twitter, for example, and, and social media and podcasting, like there were these kind of like niche communities of like, this this woman who really likes sales and shows she started a, a blog about sales and she grew a following about sales. Her goal was not to build a following. It was like, I have an outlet. And so I started basically sharing like what I was doing and what I was learning and my observations about marketing. And that led to like, oh, now you kind of build like a mini audio. You have a hundred followers or 10 people on your email list or whatever of other marketers. And it's like, oh, cool. This is not for everybody. And I remember like the first two years that I really focused on this, like, a lot of people gave me shit, like my friends or whoever would be like, nobody cares about your marketing stuff, dude. And I'm like, this is not for you. This is because I think I, it's cool to connect with other, other people in marketing and like talk about what we're doing. And so over time, the more that I talked about marketing, the more marketing people kind of like I got connected to in, in that like social and podcasting world. And I never did it to like build my, build my personal brand, but I started to see some things come from it. Like, hey, do you want to participate in this event do you want to do this thing and so it wasn't an intentional thing but the that podcast though tech in boston was another example of that where like i didn't the goal was not to like build my brand through that it was like i was really interested in podcasting like it was not about me at all it was actually about i was really obsessed with podcasting i listened to this week in startups uh like early on and i loved it i love listening to tech tech i love listening hearing about all the startups and everything but none of the startups were from from boston and i felt like a real local connection to boston and so i tweeted out like how come nobody's done a podcast about startups in boston that feels like it could be its own niche and my one of my seven twitter followers was like you you should do it and so i was like oh cool and I remember like that was just a plunge to like, okay, cool. I'm going to figure this out. Like I don't have any gear. I got to figure out microphones. I got to figure out how to record. I got to figure out how to, how to get guests. I got to figure out how to do all this stuff, build a website. And uh, that was to learn how to do that stuff. And again, like the benefit of that after I did 60 episodes and met 60 different founders and CEOs and investors in Boston, and this, I did meet more people i did build more of a brand but it was never set out to be like that's just like i'm gonna my bald head is gonna be everywhere <laughs> one day that that was not that's not the intention at all yeah it, it happened from an organic place and even this podcast came about because i put out on twitter who wants to talk on the phone and then all these 
people started to give me their phone numbers. I called them up, had great conversations, and now we're talking 200 episodes later. But it wasn't like, let me let me create this thing. It's just like it happened organically. And I think the most pure in the most pure things we do are come from a place of like let me just follow this curiosity yeah and that, i mean that's one that's one of the things that has helped me with podcasting really which is like i found that doing i've had a podcast about marketing for a couple of years for example and i found that like i've learned so much like one of the selfish reasons of like even if that podcast didn't even get downloaded at all and there was no audience for it but I was able to interview a great CMO every week, then it's basically just like free learning. It's like, yeah. you know, there's free consulting. I'm talking to a, a, best, a great CMO one, an hour on my calendar and get to ask her a million different questions about what I'm interested in. And then the fact that I get to record that and publish that as content, I mean, that's, that to me is like how, like podcasting is such an advantage for learning too. Forget about like the marketing value from yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So you... You've had, when doing research, I found out you had so many different podcasts. <laughs> it was like a new podcast every other year, but I, it might not... <laughs> I'm the worst. My biggest flaw is starting things and then I'm never finishing yeah, so, it. <laughs> so t- take me through that. Why do you why do you create so many? Like, what, what happened with that? Do you regret creating so many? Do you wish, looking back, you put it all under one? What, what's looking back at where we're at now, seven years, eight years later... From your first podcast, what do you wish you did? No, I don't regret. I don't regret. There's no. They 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 all have a reason. Yeah. And so, like, first one was I started Tech in Boston, which is my podcast. And then Tech in Boston, doing that podcast was actually what led to my job at HubSpot. Mike Volpe, who is a CMO at HubSpot, was an investor in this company called Privy that I was working at at the time, and they had just run out of money. And he knew that I was going to have to find a job somewhere. And at HubSpot, they wanted to start their first podcast. And so Mike has like, huh, we want to start a podcast at HubSpot. Why don't we just hire someone who knows how to do it already? And so he got he, he got connected to me. And so they hired me because they're like, hey, dude, who knows how to do a podcast? Kind of, we're going to launch ours. Do you want to help us grow it? So then I went to HubSpot. I worked on their podcast. But then they had this whole big thing where like Mike Volpe and Joe Chernoff both left the company. So my boss and my boss's boss both left the company like abruptly overnight. And at the same time, I had met David Cancel at Drift and interviewed him on my podcast. And I found out that they were hiring a marketing person. And so I was only at HubSpot for nine months. So I left and then I went to go to Drift and I took the marketing job. And one of the first things that we did at Drift, because I had podcasting experience, was I got to Drift and I was like, wow. The one of the things that David and I really like vibed on in our interview was he's like, I got this idea. I want to do this podcast. And this was pre-product at Drift. He just wanted to like build his, you know, build, build a brand and like start to start to like build an audience pre-Drift. He's like, I want to start a podcast called Seeking Wisdom. And I was like, that's amazing. I can help you do it. And so we did the podcast at Drift. And then I did another podcast. And it's just, just kind of like, and then I did a podcast at Privy. I just believe in this idea that like you can use a podcast to kind of build like a, 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 a channel, a, a TV station, a radio station, whatever you want to call it in your niche. And I think it's an amazing way to get content for like, not just for podcasts, but that you can use in other forms. And so the reason I've done it is because I've just, I've worked at, I worked at a lot of companies, like a bunch of different companies in a, in six, seven years. And kind of each one of them has had a podcast with it. And, and now I have, you know, I do one of my own or go on other people. So it just kind of always, been there in the in the industry in the world that I'm I'm kind of focused on. Yeah. You know, it's funny because you mentioned in a different podcast where you were a guest about how you are obsessed with marketing, how it's it's like all you can think about how like it is your it is your thing. But it's fascinating because from what you've just said it's like you didn't grow up with that impression of like it was all you thought about when you were a kid. And it's just, it's interesting to me. So like, what do you make of that? Um, I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm like a combination of like creative and competitive and it's fun to solve problems. And so I think like I've learned, I, it's like marketing is the way that I do those things. And like, I, you know, I think, I like to work with companies and people and and help with marketing problems because that's the thing that I feel like I know. 
same way I can like call up my friend who's like a physical therapist and can be like, my back is killing me, you know, what, what do I, and so, and, uh, I, I enjoy helping people with that stuff, but I think it's not, it's not that I, I love the marketing so much of it. I love like the feedback loop and the creating something from nothing. And like, you know, we just had this idea and we did this podcast and, you know, now 5,000 people have listened to it or whatever. I like the, like, I love the idea. I like the, the idea creation to like launch part of it. And I think you get to do that a lot and, and, and call it marketing. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So one thing that I found out when doing research was about how you do regular person CrossFit at 6 a.m. every morning. Maybe that's why you're calling. I do? Yeah. I mean, that's what... Regular... Per- what does that mean, regular person CrossFit? I mean, that, that's what it was. It was... Uh, I don't know. Just CrossFit for regular people is is what was put in the article. Um, is, is that true? <laughs> do you not do CrossFit? I have no idea what that means. I used to do CrossFit. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I think CrossFit for regular people means like uh, it's not too intense, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah probably yeah maybe it meant like just do like 20 clean and jerks in the workout instead of like 150 clean and jerks 150 pull-ups 500 push-ups 600 box jumps go run for six miles and then do 84 burpees like yeah that's probably that's what i meant like i just i love the i love the concept of crossfit and like the functional movements and getting a lot of like you know, not having to do like cardio, you have lifting and you have cardio kind of in the same workout, but it just like, it hurt my body so much because like Monday you do like max back squat and then, and then a workout that had a hundred back squats in it. And then Tuesday you do max deadlift and then you'd have a workout that had 50 deadlifts in it. And then Thursday would be just like body weight day, but you'd have to do like a million pull-ups and push-ups. And then you're, it just, it felt like just so much overload and so, yeah, that's definitely what I meant by CrossFit for regular people. Like who has, who can just like work out like that and then just like go sit at a desk for eight hours and like you're going to feel good. And so maybe it's not, also now that I'm, uh, I'll be 35 in a month or two. Like I just care so much more about prioritizing my, like how I feel than like, you know, a, a, a certain aesthetic or like, or workout goal. Like if I don't feel good, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I need to, I want to just feel awesome and, and, and like, feel better every year and so that's what i prioritize now which still doesn't work (laughs) that makes sense i I know you also love walking um (laughs) who doesn't love walking i also love air and water yeah no i think that uh a long walk is usually the cure i think that there are people who like walking and then there are people who make it a priority because it helps them think and who it it really helps um yeah, actually, I had a conversation with my wife about this yesterday. She was like, uh, I, "I took the dog, like I took the dog for two for two long walks," and she's like, "Oh, thanks for thanks for taking the dog for two long walks." And I was like, "No, I wasn't. I'm not walking the dog. I'm walking Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I I need to do that anyway. And like whenever I'm in like a a ment- like anytime I don't get at least a, a walk or two a day, then I'm usually like it usually affects my mood or my thinking in some way. And so it's just amazing how you can go for like an hour walk and whatever you were thinking about at the beginning or stuck on just has kind of changed in some way. How do you, and I also always like would see all these in the, in the area where I grew up, I'd always see a lot of older people just like always out walking. I'm like, man, old people love to walk. And I'm like, no, but yeah, now I'm like, yeah, because they're geniuses and they figured it out. And so I'm just, I'm lucky to have found walking and embrace like going for a long walk. Yeah. It's such a common theme between writers too. People who write often is, is there, proclivity to walk at least that's what i found um so like whoa it's also it's also just great it's also great exercise too if you if you go you know if you if you're if you're consistently walking like 10 to fifteen thousand steps in a day you 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 feel that and you feel like wow i got and it also just it helps to be outside so yeah a lot of benefits any um any notable marketing stories or pieces of writing that you can attribute directly to walking uh no, I, not not like a specific thing to walking, but I think I like specific, especially when I was at Drift, like in the early days. Like David Cancel and I would 
would go for walks like three, four times a week. And the company was very small and he would just be like, let's go for a walk. And we would have a one-on-one or we'd be like, you know, we're announcing this thing in two weeks. Let's go for a walk and like jam on it. And that seemed to be like anytime, like, and I felt this even like anytime I like shut the door and I'm in a room and I'm like really trying to like think of that thing or, you know, like figure out that, that story or whatever the, the challenge is, it doesn't happen. But there's a, there's like a line in Ogilvy on advertising about like the power of walking and like how you just have to like, or like for creativity, you have to like unhook your subconscious. And it's like, it's why ideas come to you in the shower or on the golf course or on a long walk. Because like when your body's doing something else, you're not thinking about that. And so, um, it's not, I don't have one specific example. Like, like for, I mean, we, the, the company Drift, when I was there, they raised a Series A, a Series B, and a Series C. And I remember specifically three different times walking around either in Boston or twice we were in San Francisco with David. And we were literally writing, it was amazing. We were writing the press release and the blog post. I was just like typing into my phone and he was just like dictating. And it was, it was this amazing thing. We we're just like spending, we spent two hours like just literally walking all around trying to tell the story and like I had basically the whole thing written down on my phone. And so we got back to the hotel and I, I turned it into the press release and the blog post. And, um, we, we, that was like the secret formula. And so I've, I've kind of taken that and now I just use that on my own. And so like, if I got to give a presentation or from, you know, what, like in, in this case, like with, with my book, for example, I thought I had an idea for the title and the hook for it. And I kind of had a couple options narrowed down. And so I just was like, today, I'm going to just go for an hour walk and just like try to try to get through it. And you come back and, and, and try to try to finalize it. But it's like this idea of just get getting things moving. And so it's, it's, I use it, I use it all the time. And I, I, I've even found like, um, it can be a bad thing also. <laughs> Cause then I come back and I have like 15 new ideas and it's like, we don't need to do any of those, buddy. Just relax. <laughs> um that's like yeah that that goes back to your your just interest in in starting things and having ideas and then building them out and then realizing oh like that's not for me um yeah i mean it's that that that's the part that's so fun like right now so so lately i've been i'm doing consulting and working with a bunch of um b2b startups and i just had a call before this where like we've been working on the, their kind of like company narrative company tagline and like everybody had this breakthrough and it was so fun. Like that moment is like, Oh my gosh, why didn't we think of that? And then like everything just, just clicks. And I don't know how to like recreate that moment, but that that's the stuff that I, I like to do from like a brand brand and marketing standpoint versus like, you know, I have friends who are more like, give me the, give me the Excel dump. I can't wait to, you know, dig through this. Is it, that's, that's not me. This, that's the stuff that I love to do. Okay. So what do you think happens there when people come to a new idea altogether and something clicks in that moment? <coughs> what is, what is occurring? A higher power. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. If I knew I would be living on an island somewhere. <laughs> um, I think it's like I don't know I think just so many times it's your your thinking is our thinking is just affected by so many like variables that we don't even like consider and so like for example you're stuck in an idea you go for a walk something clearly changes in your brain and body and like you know, there's seven days in a week. I'm not in the same mood every minute of every day. And, and so you just might be in like a, you know, it's very hard to be like on demand, like on demand, perform, give me the tagline, find the story. And so like, there's just kind of just like wait, you know, waves that people haven't, haven't lined up on. And so often, more often than not, it's usually like the, the very obvious, it was like, this was right in front of us the whole time. How did nobody think of this? than it is like, wow, that's a gem, like from deep. I don't know. I'm not that philosophical, but like that was just me trying to explain my way through it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's worth considering and worth thinking about how breakthroughs happen because those sometimes are the moments that, like the few moments that that propel us, it's worth 
figuring out like what happened there, what's going on, so that maybe we can recreate them or create circumstances where they can potentially happen again. I don't agree. I think that's why they happen. I think if you try to like come up with this system, like here's here's how we made. Okay, Dave, what were you wearing that day? What did you drink that day? How much did you sleep? I I think you can over. I think it's just part of. It's one of the wonderful things about <laughs> about life is you, sometimes you you just you just don't have it. Not everybody can be Don Draper and that guy. Every time he has to give a presentation, it's just fire. <laughs> Not, it's very challenging. Yeah, but you want to have some level of understanding of like okay did i did i meditate before this meeting did everyone else oh, yeah. meditate before did i go on a walk directly before did did i do i feel yeah. good coming in like it's worth analyzing that no well, i think it's one of the reasons it's, it's yeah no i think you, you probably but i'm thinking about like but i can't control like you can't control you can't be like all right there's 10 people in this meeting tomorrow everyone's going to get a massage everyone's going to go for a walk everyone's going to do this you can't control that. And so maybe it's one of the reasons why like good br- breakthroughs and good ideas often don't come from committees because they need to come from that like one sh- poof idea. And so, yeah, I, I think I have like a stack of things that I do every day to like put myself in the best position to think of those things, which is to make sure that I work out and go for a walk. But it also just does happen at the most random time also. And you have to just be be open to that. But I also think... It happens when you kind of just fill your mind when you're really focused on that that topic, right? If you're if you're trying to come up with a great name for your new podcast, you know you need to first go out and like do deep research and like under you know we're not deep research, but you need to have understanding of like what do I want my podcast to be like? Who's is good? Like um, which ones do I like? Which ones do I not like? Which titles do I like and why? You need to give yourself some framework to then subconsciously like chew on and, and, and think and think around. I'll, I'll give you a, a, re, a real example. So I'm going to go in the process of like, I'm rebranding um, DGMG, which is my like community and, and website for, for B2B marketers. I'm rebranding that. And uh, I was talking to a friend just like DMing on Twitter and he's like, here's some quick naming advice. Like you can either name it literal or lateral. And he gave me an example of like what literal meant and you can a lateral. And so he helped me immensely in trying to like, I was stuck on this like rebrand for, for weeks because it was just so paralyzing, like to go from like, okay, it's not going it, to, it's going to change from DGMG to anything, what and what, like why it could be anything, but just by him giving me a simple framework to be like literal or lateral, I made so much progress in like half a day because I'm like, okay, now let's make a bunch of literal names. Let's make a bunch of lateral names, come up with stories and tell you why. And so I think like the more you can have, frameworks to help you do those to help you understand those things or or, and the more experience that you have and the more you can see other podcasts or in in this example and articulate what you like and don't like all those things come into the the decision making process if if i want to go launch a a line of new hoodies and i have not researched the top 10 companies and what they do and how they then i'm you know it's going to be impossible it's too much just like just too many options you'll be in decision fatigue forever so with the literal verse lateral, what would be an example of a lateral name? A literal name seems obvious. Like this is the beat of like tech in Boston. <laughs> yeah, tech in Boston. <laughs> what, what would a lateral example be? Um, a lateral example would be like can be any 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 term, uh, any word can be literally anything, and so lateral can mean like can you tell a story that you can connect back to that? And so like, what was the name in the street that you grew up on? Uh, Cardinal. Cardinal. Cardinal road. Cardinal road. Okay. So like you could, you, a lateral name for like, let's say your podcast or like you wanted to start a, a website and you called it Cardinal road. And it was all about learning because like at home, you know, home is where you grew up learning and where you became a learning machine. And so you named it Cardinal Road because like, you know, you're, you're like, you can come up with some, some lateral connection um, like that. Or it could be like, if you're going to create a golf, you know, you're going to create a golf brand and it's like, you name it right rough because you're always in the right rough because you had a big slice. And so you're going to create a, you know, you're, you're going to be focusing on like how to help people improve their game. I mean, it's, 
you can kind of just come up with this. It's like, how do you come up with a story that you can connect back to, to the brand that you want to build? You know, I've never thought about literal versus lateral. And now that's a new framework. That's it's from Harry dry copywriting, Dude, marketing examples and copywriting examples.com. Happy Harry dry. Is the it's best. so weird that you bring up Harry dry. I was going to ask you, why do you think Harry dry loves you so much? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I think he's so much cooler than me. I'm like amazed that he like messages me. That's how I feel when Harry Dry talks to me too. Like, and I'm Harry. I Harry was like who I was messaging with, and I'm like sending him ideas for names. He's be like that one stink. Like I, I really. What he was, what he was awesome is he didn't just say like cool, cool name, man. Like he would be like, no, that name sucks. Like why would you do that? And I appreciate that. You know that that was like really, it was really cool. Um, yeah, literal versus lateral, but, th- but that's awesome. Like for, for me, I think that I, I think that I could be good at the naming part, but it's because I have the framework that like, okay, I'm much, I'm like narrowed the universe for how to think about it. Are we going to go literal or lateral? And there's benefits to each one and, and blah, blah, blah. So, so I, anyway, I'm doing a lateral name for DGMG and it's going to be fun. You're doing a lateral one. Yeah. 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 I was, I was going to go literal. <laughs> But I went lateral. I think that's the, <laughs> I think that's the right idea. Um, so, but now that that community's what five thousand people, and uh, no, it's probably like f- ha- probably half okay. of that, uh, forty five hundred. Yeah, there's kind of like some churn every month, that's and so not it's, half. it's <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry, half of half of the difference between four thousand and five thousand <laughs> was what I was thinking in my head, which is forty five hundred. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when you started that, yeah, the, two years like, ago, there's right? like. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's like 2,800 people in the Facebook group, but I have um, DGMG University, which is like a video library uh, that has like another 3,000 members or, or 2,500. I don't know, a couple thousand. Uh, I started it. I started in, in November of 2019, but I initially started as just straight up kind of like paid content for my thoughts on marketing. It started very personal. I'm Dave. I've built a social media following, like kind of talking about B2B marketing. I'm going to launch this thing on Patreon. And I launched it on Patreon. And I was like, maybe, maybe like 20 people a month will subscribe and I'll get another, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. And that's amazing. And, and I'll see what happened. And like, you know, overnight there was probably like two, 300 members. And so what, for me, sorry, sorry to like, cut you off. That, that was the what moment. type of base did you, yeah, were no, you marketing to at that time? Like what, how many people were on your email list? Like I had no email list. All I had was social media okay. following on Twitter and LinkedIn. And it was really LinkedIn. LinkedIn was like what really grew a lot, like out of any social media channel for me, probably like 2017, 2018, 2019, like it started to go to like 20,000 followers, 50,000 followers, 80,000 followers. And so I was like, what is happening? Uh, LinkedIn, the growth is crazy because I had been, I loved, I had loved Twitter. I'd been on Twitter since 2009 or whatever, tweeting forever. And like, it's impossible to grow a following on Twitter. And then like on, on, but on LinkedIn, I just talk very specifically about drift and B2B marketing and kind of SaaS. And, you know, it just, there seemed to be a sweet spot of like the stuff I was talking about B2B in that world on LinkedIn and so my ba- I, I don't know how many followers that I had on LinkedIn at the time. I would say probably maybe 50,000 or, or less on LinkedIn. And that's when I announced that. That's when I launched the Patreon. I just posted it on LinkedIn. And I got a couple hundred paying members like overnight. And so that was the, the moment for me that's like, look, anybody who wants to talk about how social media following numbers are vanity metrics they're not because if i had zero followers and i posted my patreon thing i would have zero patreon members but that was literally like i saw an audience a very small slice but i saw an audience convert from free to like wow people are willing to to pay for this and so then like i just i posted a ton of content for a year or two but what i what i evolved into is this community and people wanted more than just like my rants on marketing and I also just kind of get burnt out. I got burnt out as like a person just being that mouthpiece every day. You got to come up with something to talk about. But I realized like, wow, that what everybody has here in common is that like, we're all trying to navigate this like B2B marketing stuff. And so they didn't want to hear about like what I ate and I wasn't going to going that angle. Anyway, I was more talking about like startups, B2B marketing. And so now two years later, what I've learned is that the opportunity that I have is I, I don't have an interest in just building like the Dave Gerhardt marketing 
channel where I just talk about what I'm doing and I, I don't want to be Gary Vee or Russell Brunson. Like that's not, that's not what I want to do. But I'm realizing like, wow, there's an amazing media business company here. If I just like focus this on B2B marketing, it's like thousands of B2B marketing professionals, 90% of the people kind of expense it, expense it to their company, especially since most companies have gone remote. They're trying to find other ways to give employee benefits. And so a hundred or 200 bucks a year on a DGMG membership, you have community, you have content. I'm in a unique position to like continue to build that. And so what I'm working on now is like, I've learned from that community that I think the thing to build is this, this education company for B2B marketers. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And that's going to be like the business that I focus on. And so I'm separating like Dave from DGMG to like, I'm Dave and I run this business, but I also do consulting and do advising, do other stuff. But, um, that's why I'm going through the pivot. So that, that's kind of like the thing that I'm really excited about right now. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, um, it's something that I think is the natural progression of like, oh, I'm just going to focus. I'm going to be the engine, the mouthpiece. And then how can I build this bigger so that I can remove myself a little bit? I, I was reading. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I, 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 I think I have a, a platform and, a, and, a, and I also, because there's, a, like, there's thousands of DGMG members now, like there's value in other people wanting to like, teach a course right. or create videos or it's not just like um you're just doing this out of the kindness of your heart like you can actually see meaningful results or you know get traction for your thing and so i'm realizing that like yeah i don't want to be just dave in front of a whiteboard drawing and teaching and and like making marketing videos and screaming in your face on tiktok that's that's not what i want to do that's not how i want to spend my time i want to i think i can focus on building this b2b marketing thing and the other thing is i'm seeing what's happening in the industry, in, in, in startups where so many startups are, or SaaS companies are, are acquiring communities. Um, Outreach bought Sales Hacker. Uh, HubSpot bought The Hustle. Um, uh, Zapier bought MakerPad. Like, I have the perfect sweet spot for something like that to happen down the road, but it, it's not, it, w- it won't happen if it's like DGMG and Dave Gerhardt is the face of it all. And so I'm trying to also like, that that to me I think is like my future the future asset that yeah. I have. So this is something actually an idea that I had like two or three days ago, which was the, one of those moments I was literally reading your book and I was like, Oh my god, I know exactly what I need to do. I need to you know, it wasn't even anything you said, but I it was just putting in the you the frame of mind of of right. your frame of mind, like help me be like, oh, I need to create a community. I need to um, I build one based on things that I'm interested in and use that as, as the pivot. Um, and so, yeah, I want to launch this community for mindful creators, people who are creating content on the internet who are also interested in meditation or mindfulness or going for walks, right? And so... Yeah. Like how would you go about doing that if you were in my position right now? Um well I mean you you already have like you already have somewhat of an audience. <laughs> yeah. So I would say hello, now <laughs> yeah. open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know Absolutely. like that, that that's kind of like why founder brand and that's not the cop out on answer but like yeah. I think I think what what's so what's so great about like building an audience first is that you now can go and create that thing and so like I always talk about like I'm really interested in golf. Maybe one day I'll do a golf business. The best way for me to one day do a golf business is to first create like a golf website or blog or podcast or newsletter and like build an audience and then you're like, "Hey, we have a we have a product for you." And so I think in your case, it's more about you already have the audience. It's more about like nailing the hook yes. and the story and the like you know, what does that really mean? Mindful content creators, like creating a brand for that, creating a real story, tying in your story, actually thinking about the mechanics of the community. Like you have the luxury of like, you can go do that because you've already built up your audience. And so it's more about like, how do you do it the right way and make sure it's differentiated enough and sticky enough? And how can you use your current audience right now to like test some of that? And could you be like, I, you know, I, I want to let, you know, the fir- first 50 people or whatever that email me that listen to my podcast, like, I want to let you be the first 50 members of this community and like, help me get it going. And so then you have like, two or three weeks of, 
of activity so you don't have this like rush of people and then they just go to this empty place that's just that just crickets like so i think it's probably focus on the name on the on the brand and the hook and like the what the thing yeah. is and then focus on the the content like the, the deliverable like how do you make sure that there's actually something there and so like even when i when i launched that when i launched my patreon i um it was i, I announced it the day that i left my company drift at the time and I shared a, I recorded a 20 minute podcast episode about why I left Drift and what I'm doing next. But that podcast episode was already in the in the Patreon, and like I had a bunch of other content in there. So it wasn't like people signed up and were just waiting. I think having something there for people is also really important if you can. Yeah, do it. that's really helpful. One thing that I'm I'm thinking about is like the the downsides to having some of the content behind a paywall. Obviously, that's the that that's what makes a community valuable. It's like you you have to pay to get this, but like what yeah. do you, what do you think about that idea? Like, does it? Do you think yeah. the reach of your of certain things you posted inside the community could have increased your reach um, if it was a viral yes. piece? Of I think, content? and I'm and I, I'm making a ch I'm making a change. Like when I when I re when I in the in the rebranded version of DGMG I'm going to make some changes from a content perspective because I think I'm I'm missing out on an on an audience by taking this some of this content and keeping it behind behind the paywall um and so I think you need to lead with free like there's this one yoga teacher that I really like and I he has amazing videos on YouTube and you can get plenty of his content on YouTube but he also has a Patreon and they do longer stuff and they have guided meditations and calendars and printouts and one-on-one -on -one stuff. And so I think like it's better to not just take content behind the paywall, but like have some kind of unique, unique value prop. And to be honest, I don't even consume the, the paid stuff. I just feel that I'm, I just felt like this guy does an amazing job. Like, sure. I'll give him 150 bucks to just s support him. Uh, I think free, free is free content is, is a huge part of the, of the funnel. What I'm doing though is I found that charging for the community has been an amazing way to maintain engagement and quality. And so like I talked to another, uh, another friend who runs a community of, uh, he's like, we have 20,000 members in our Facebook group, but the quality is shit. And so like your group, you have, there's 2,800 members in that Facebook group. Like the quality is amazing. And like last year I did a promo where I, I gave people like a dollar or like a free month or something like that. And it, it I think it ended up being awful. Like I, I made money on it, but I think it was a terrible content decision. And when you have a community, so much of it is like, there's always that, like, when is this going to run out of value for people? And so I think charge, I think I'm, I'm going to continue to charge for community, but maybe make some, some changes on the on the content side, but also I don't think it has to be a binary. It doesn't have to be like a, a binary decision. You don't, it doesn't have to just be like you gate some stuff. You could have lots of different ways to do it. I think it's like a, how do you think about your, your content funnel from the top and like what, what's going to go, what's going to go where and why? Yeah. When you were saying I was going to, I gave people a dollar. I thought you were going to say I gave people a dollar for the best post that month or something like that, which Oh no, that would be good. They would need more than a dollar, <laughs> yeah. but that would be good. Yeah, yeah just uh, a way to reward. Like, how do you reward uh, engaging content um, from people in your? Uh, I I so so I try to remove. I think it starts with a bit like, you know, having having guard like ground rules, and so it's like you know, don't, you can't post jobs. You know, do not post jobs. Use the DGMG job board to post jobs. Do not promote your company in any way. Do not promote yourself in any way. Like I have all those laid out, and I, it's hard because there's so many posts I miss a lot of things. But like if I if I'm in the if I'm checking in and I see something that's just like wow this person just came in and just literally just was like hire me to help your email then I like I remove that and so you know starts with like being able to moderate what content you want in there, but also I found that um. Uh, just me commenting and reinforcing things that I'd like and don't like. And so like sometimes instead of removing a post, I'd be like, Danny, thank you so much. Like, I appreciate you being a contributor in this group. I saw that this is exactly what you posted on LinkedIn. And I'm totally fine if you want to add what you, if you want to ask this question to the DGMG community, but 
can you just try to like reframe it and not just post a screenshot because otherwise lots of other people are going to start to do this and the DJMG community just becomes a place to repost your stuff from social media. And I don't remove the post, but I comment there and then lots of people see the comment and that reinforces the behavior. The same way, like if I see somebody that posted a really good question, I'll be like, awesome question commenting for visibility because as the admin of it, like when I comment on something, I think more people and increases the engagement of it. And I think also when people see, and I don't mean this in a vain way, just like literally it's my community. When people see my name commented on a post, there's more, more eyeballs are going to, are going to go there. And so I try to just like straight up love this. This is awesome. I wish people or like, I'll be like, I wish there was more of this in DGMG or I'll, or I'll question things or remove them. And so I think it takes like actually being there and, and being super active and commenting. And I, I've, posted like you know in the two years of the group i think i've posted like over a thousand times and so i'm i'm there i'm there all the time you have to you have to this is the part that i'm struggling with it was like if i really want to grow this and scale this you know you always get to the point where like who who can you hire to like to to do the community engagement and uh you know you have to know what it's it's hard i'm gonna have to do it at some point um but it's a little part of it is the secret sauce, but that's also how, how like how you have to learn how to scale. Yeah. It, so. Well, one thing I was going to ask you about is you have inputs coming in from everywhere. You got LinkedIn, I'm sure Twitter, email, obviously, and, and Facebook group. It's nonstop people vying for your attention. How do you maintain some level of sanity in a world where everyone is trying to pull you to their platform? Um, I try to just be, I'm not always good at this, but I try to be intentional. Like I often write myself a reminder on a post note that says don't nibble and don't nibble means like sometimes I'll just be in this, like refresh my email, check Slack, go to LinkedIn, go to Twitter. (laughs) And that's when my brain feels awful and I got nothing done versus like my, my mental health is way better and I'm more efficient when I like batch things. And so like, if I just like wait and I don't touch anything until like 11 or noon, it's never that bad. And I go through and I take an hour, I put some good music on and I, I literally write it out. I like, I I write out like inbox, Slack, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. And I just go one by one and I just kind of go do my, do my duty on each place as opposed to trying to be there all at once. Uh, And so I just kind of tackle it like that, like once or twice a day. And obviously there's times where, I'm looking at my phone and I get sucked in by something, but I, I really notice a big difference when I don't do those things. And so I try to like, I'm saying this out loud as a reminder to myself to like, don't succumb to that because I always feel better when I don't just get sucked in. and I'm not just constantly looking at it all day. Um, so batching it is really important. Um, just saying no is really important. Also like, just because someone cold emails you or cold DMs you doesn't mean that you have an obligation to respond to them no matter how much how many times this annoying freaking person and I, I love people like I'm very I, I'm, I'm trying to be a very kind person but I mean I'm talking about this person specifically is starting to be very unkind and annoying in the way that they message me. and then there's an exact example but it's always one person who like some some person was trying to send me an email for a message forever and now he's just sending me like eyeball emojis and like <laughs> So you have to be able to just like accept that you're not going to get back to everybody or respond to everybody because like your mental health is, is also in, important. And so in a world where lots of people are vying for your time, um, you have to be able to, to say no. But it's also hard because five years ago, I would have given myself the opposite advice. I'd be like, go on everybody's podcast, take every meeting, do all the pick your brain meetings and stuff. But I have a different operating philosophy now i'm at a different point in my life and i have different goals and i have different things that i want to do and so i have a clear like what am i doing and why and that's very personal to me and my family like and so that helps me figure out what i should do and say yes and say no to and like especially now that i'm doing my own thing like i i charge for my time and so i you know somebody wants to email me and pick my brain for an hour I never comfortable, but I write back and I'm like, sure, here's what I charge for an hour. And, and, and that, that's like completely contrary to the advice that I would have loved like five years ago, which is like, do it for free, give the value. And like, it's just this game of like, you have to do, you have to do both. And like, obviously there's, there's some things that come up in some people that I'm like, yeah, I'm not, 
Yes, I'll take I'll take that call all day. Let's take the call. I don't I don't need to charge for that time, but it's it's an interesting uh, business to be in from that perspective. When when you put a value of on of money on your time, does it? I mean, when you like make it so explicit and tell people, does it change the way you like interact with the world in any way? In terms of like, oh, like I'm I'm playing with my child right now. That is worth. Like that, that's infinitely priceless. But like, do you think about things more in terms of dollar amounts and time? Um, I more so in just like what, not like, like my priority is always like the family stuff and the kids stuff. And so like, I do all this so I can have unlimited time because I, I'm in a very fortunate position where like, I don't, I don't have to wait until I'm 65 years old to go live live my life and go travel with my family and and do what we want. And I'm seeing like my parents and their friends like getting to retirement age and like people they they can barely walk, everybody's back is broken. You know, you've been saving all your life to go and and now travel when you're in like not the condition to do it and I just if if we cannot have to do that and and live now while my kids are young and everybody's healthy, like I want to prioritize that. So that's my number one priority and so that is why I charge for my time and other and other things. And also now, like I'm, I'm, built, I have built a consulting business, and so this is it's not me like being like, yeah, I charge for my time. Like, no, this is how I've decided to like monetize. This is my business, um, and so I don't, I don't think of, I don't compare it to like the kids' time because that it is, it is incomparable. But it's more just like, hmm, I got invited to do this thing for an hour, or. I could do this thing for an hour. Well, here's how I quantify an hour. It, it helps me figure out like which things I should say yes or, or, or say no to. Um, and obviously it all changes. And so like the last month or so, I've wanted to do a lot more podcasts that I have that I have I haven't done many podcasts in a while because I just was kind of burnt out on them. But now I'm like I got a book to promote. Like I, I like I don't want to do a lot of book promotion, but I an easy way to do that would be like I know that people that are related to DGMG have podcasts because most of them are in marketing or sales or, or like, or like you, right. Kind of more like the entrepreneurship or whatever realm. Okay, great. I'll say that I'll go do a bunch of podcasts and I could probably do 10 to 20 podcasts and that would be meaningful and help sell the book. And, and, but maybe like if you emailed me in July, it's a really nice day out. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to do this podcast right now. And so I think it just, it constantly varies, but I think I do have a lot of, I do have a, a, a kind of evolving sense of like, what's my goal right now? What am I working on? And obviously uh, this is all very new to me. Like I'm now work, I'm my, I'm working for myself. Like I, and so I got to try to figure out, you know, what things to spend time on and, and, uh, and, 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 and what not to do, especially being like a kind of solo, solo consulting content, whatever you want to call what I do is. You seem very in, in touch with your values and, and you seem uh, you seem completely fine to have your actions and values be different today than they were five years ago, and content with the hypocrisy that we all are are like we all can fall under. Like, oh, I thought this, and now I th- think that, and, and that's a good thing from my perspective. How have you? Yeah, you know, I mean, and and I, I've changed. Like, I've I've had I've had kids. COVID has happened. Um you know, lots of different things have happened in, in, in the world, in our life, in my life personally. And so, yeah, you have to, you have to always be evolving. And also it's all, it's all relative to like what I'm able to do and, and the things that I can work on based on, you know, past experience. And so, yeah, I remember somebody was like, um, man, you've changed so much after you had kids. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) exactly. And you, and you would too, or, 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 or whatever. And so, um, I think you, yeah, you ha- I have, you have to constantly be, be evolving, but also I, I, I see now like just some of the advice that I may have given in the past and I'm like, <laughs> you know, you just see it in a different lens. Cause I'm, 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 I'm different and I, it's much easier to talk to the world and you and be like, I don't, yeah, I, I changed my mind. Like, or like, I shouldn't have said that before, or that was, that was a bad take or that was a different perspective or, or whatever it's much harder to try to like fight everything you've ever done or ever said and try to justify it and be like, I don't know. 
I'm constantly learning and trying to evolve just, just like you are. And just in, and this is where I'm at. And I'm trying to navigate this right now. It's very weird. Uh, we might be the first people of all time where everything we've said over the past 10 years is logged and, and you can go back on any mood or any time and be like, okay, you said this at this point and you gave this advice to these people. Have you thought about the idea of like you, we can cringe at our past selves and, and now we're going to be going to cringe at our past selves in five years too. Um, and like being okay with that is just part of life. Yeah, I'm okay with it. It's it's impo- like cuz the only other the only other thing is to go and try to like change everything or 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 you know, it, it's very it, I think you can't you can't live you can't live your life and be present if you're constantly thinking about everything that you've, you know, every every, every opinion or whatever you've had in you've had in the past. And so yeah, I changed my mind and like and I don't even mean like I'm not even talking about this on like a deep, deeply like philosophical or political, religious level. I just mean like, what if I said five years ago that outbound marketing is a dumb, terrible tactic? (laughs) Does that mean that I can never go and do that or do that channel or, you know, or like SEO? I've never understood SEO. Well, like I got my butt kicked at my last company because I didn't invest in SEO and I should have, and now I understand that world a little bit better. And so, whatever I do next, I'm going to evolve. So, even in just like the day to day sense of like, of 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 marketing, yeah, you have to be able to to learn from the past. I mean, the past is amazing for for that reason is that you you get to every week, every month, every quarter, every year, you you get to learn. And now I've learned a bunch of things. I'm I, I'm not smart, but I've just learned a bunch of things through a little bit of experience. Now I just I I feel like if I'm going to go do something in this space, I have a little bit more like a better set of directions. It's not, there's never going to be a step-by-step operating manual, but I have a better set of directions because like, okay, mm, if I was going to go be CMO again somewhere, I feel like the next time I did it, I would be the best at it. I'm not going to do it because I've had more experience. I've I had another two more companies. And so I have more things to draw on and, and things to play off of. And I think that's that, that perspective is really is really important. And I, you know, a younger me in my career would be like frustrated by like, Oh, so what that person has, you know, 15 years of experience. What is that? You know, I know more about this now and I'm better at this now. Well, if you're the CEO and the board, you want to hire the person that has 15 years of experience or whatever, because pattern matching is like one of the most important things in, in building a, in building a business and seeing mistakes. And so like, yeah, I, I figured things out, but I made a ton of mistakes along the way. And I had to make all those mistakes to get there versus that other person has already made all those mistakes. So you're just, your, your baseline is much higher where, where you're starting at. And so that's a perspective that I um, didn't appreciate as much then as I do now. What do you think, what advice would you think you'll give yourself in 10 years about yourself at your current position today? Um, probably that nothing was as important as I, as I thought it was in that moment. Like, I think we just have a natural tendency to, I do at least, whatever you're doing right now just seems super, super important. And you have much more time than you think and you can zoom out and, 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 and hit pause and do the reset. And you know, like one example is like, I'm trying to like this, the, the mature side of me is trying to poke through and make this DGMG rebrand happen because I really don't want to do it. I think it's going to be a bunch of unnecessary work and I'm going to have to spend money on it, which I don't want to do. But I also think that I can see in, in five years from now, I would be frustrated with myself that I didn't do this and didn't take that opportunity and so didn't slow down. And so, you know, you, you got a bunch of calls back to back, a bunch of emails back to back, podcasts, whatever, all this other stuff. It's very easy to just get sucked into the day-to-day and then, and, and, and kind of miss that. And so it's important to still always be looking at like the macro, which is, which is really important. Here's a quote from you or a tweet rather Slack messages, text messages, Instagram, Twitter meetings, phone calls, zoom meetings, emails. That's how most of the day is filled, but nothing is as satisfying as deep work, writing something, recording something, creating something. April 2nd, 2018, so, although 
Although you might have... Who needs... Like, I'm basically... This is basically like Gandhi-level <laughs> stuff that I'm saying. My goodness. What? You, do you look at that in cringe or, or do you... Do you... Would you tweet that no, today? No, of course. Just like in the context of like the world right now, it's like, yeah, I have the easiest life in the world. Like, yeah. Yes. Um, that... But in, in the context of that message, like perfect example of just you get sucked into the day-to-day and like all you got... All you did that day was check your email, check your inbox 15 times and be on the company Slack all day, even though you know you have that like one or two big things that you should be making progress on. I always am a sucker to like the FOMO of like Slack and email and social media. And like the perfect reminder for me for this is like every Monday, like all weekend I'll be like, I'm doing a much better job like not, not working on weekends lately and now. But I'll be somewhere deep in my head thinking about all the things that I got to do next week. And then by like 11 o'clock on Monday morning, like everything is back. Like it only took me like an hour and a half, two hours to like knock out all the things that I were on that like fake list that I made and like, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad. And I felt that way like anytime I've taken a vacation, anytime I've taken time off. And so it's just like that, that message is more of just a reminder of like, it feels like it in the moment, but like if you don't check email all day and then you have 50 emails, just 20, 20 minutes, you go through those emails the next day and you're like, huh, so much better to not to like have that uninterrupted four to six hour block of time. And, and so it's just like a reminder to myself that you can just get sucked in and like, there's always going to be more email. There's always going to be more Slack. There's always going to be more messages. There's always going to be some story that you got to follow and pay attention to and impossible you all you got to be able to like press the pause button on your on your own and just kind of take control of your schedule i think yeah i remember turning off my phone for 10 days uh a couple years ago and i i remember turning it on and realizing everything that i had seen that came back i was like none of this was important so like what is that what does that tell me about the day-to-day or like i i i i've noticed this where like um this is more so like working on it on a team and stuff, but like a lot of times you'd be in like a Slack channel and somebody would be like, anyone know where the sales deck is? And like, you just don't respond for an hour and it's like, never mind, got it. You know, like it's like that could have been something that just like completely interrupted your day and you had to go do that. Or like uh, the amount of times I've had somebody message me and be like, Hey, quick question. And then I just, I, no, I wasn't ignoring it, but like, let's say I was in like a, a, a chunk where I just wasn't checking Slack. I check back and I see I have two emails from Danny. One of them says like, hey, I got to ask you a quick question. And then the other thing was like, hey, never mind. I, you know, I, I'm going to save it for our one-on-one or whatever. So just the tools have given us a way to like tap everybody on the shoulder right away. Um, but you don't, you know, you don't always have to do that. Somebody who I think does a really good job of that is Harry Dry. It seems like from afar, he's able to just like, turn off but uh, maybe i'll have to get him back on the podcast to talk about that um anything else you want to chat about no my ears are sweaty okay well in uh (laughs) to help your sweaty ears we uh we will come to a close where can people check out your new book and uh connect with you further the book is on amazon which is amazon.com and plug in founder brand. You should find it. It's a very distinguished bright yellow. And then uh, my website is davegerhart.com and I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn everywhere with the same name, Dave Gerhart. Yes, sir. We'll put all those below. Thank you, Dave, for coming on and taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Fun to not chat so much about marketing and just talk about other things. That's, that was great. Thanks.